It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Guess what? <laughs> How's it going? Welcome to episode number 594 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, October the 31st. It's spooky day. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, of course, uh, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play for all of the Locked On Podcast Network offerings as well. We have so much for you to check out. We have Locked on NHL Network. If you're a hockey fan, that is uh, going strong right now. We have about 24 shows on the go. So if your team is not yet covered yet, it will be soon. Keep an eye out on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, we also have the Locked on NBA shows. We got a bunch of national shows for you with Nate Duncan and John Hollinger. Hollinger, of course, who wrote yesterday about how the Raptors are 100% definitely getting Giannis, which was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> he didn't actually say that. But read the piece from John Hollinger at The Athletic. It's great uh and uh yeah that's the best way to help us out if you want to support us please subscribe rate and review wherever it is you get your podcasts and thank you in advance for doing that all right on today's show i am joined by the newcomer to the toronto raptors podcast scene someone who's been on this show before i believe came on when we did our big episode breaking down the Kawhi shot after game seven against the sixers from the welcome toronto podcast it's paul lawton paul how are you man Hey, good. How are you doing, Sean? Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. I'm Thanks happy for to have you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> we did talk about the Kawhi shot, which uh, I still think about every day, especially now that, you know, like I, li- I like what you and Katie were talking about yesterday about it being uh, kind of sad to watch Kawhi now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, a little, bit of a, a little bit of a depressive episode watching him, you know, just rack up big numbers. But really nice to see them kind of falter on a Kawhi ref night. You know, we would never have done that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got smacked by the Jazz last night. Uh, Lou Williams, congrats on uh, getting the ball back in your hands all the time. Uh, and congrats on all the wins <laughs> you led your team to. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, 
watching the game that we're here to talk about right now, uh, before we get into your podcast a little bit, uh, mm. watching the game last night against the Detroit Pistons where the Raptors won 125-113, I found myself becoming less sad about the departure of one Kawhi Leonard because the Raptors have someone better than that, apparently. They apparently have the best player in the world in Pascal Siakam, who was on a different plane in that third quarter. He had 19 points of his 30 on the night in the third quarter, just completely made Christian Wood look like the borderline NBA player that I'm pretty sure he is and was just dynamic and like killer, just looking for the ball at any opportunity, waving dudes off and then making good on it, you know, pulling up from three for, from all over the place. It was, you know, it's been a great fun time watching Pascal Siakam so far this season. This was probably his most complete performance. Uh, so let's just start there, Paul. Like, what were your sort of emotions watching Pascal Siakam do those mean things to the Pistons last night? Well, the first thing is like, um, like that. So he exploded in that third quarter. And like that third quarter was just like, um, you know, the first half was like, okay. Like it was like a, it was like an interesting-ish game or like another rock fight. It kind of a little bit frustrating at times. And then Siakam comes in the third and just blows it wide open. And it just was like the guy could not be stopped. Like, he, it, you know, it cannot be said like those 19 points, but it wasn't like he was doing one thing. It was like, you know, ISO fadeaway jumpers. You know, he's like that above the break three that he's developed in the last, you know, what, five games. <laughs> like Literally, like <laughs> I can't even – I was actually racking my brain this morning thinking like what was the lot – like – when did outside of like uh you know like a uh, he had to jack a shot because the shot clock was running out like when could you like it was never part of his game and just watching it happen every time it still is kind of surprising but also like it's like it looks so wet like it's so good and it, it it's such a pure beautiful thing and then like the spin move like crazy last night like i think he had like good matchups but he, you know, just looked like he couldn't be stopped, right? But then if you actually think about it, yesterday, the first half of, of the game where he's like, um, I believe he had five assists last night and all of those happened in the first half. And it was just kind of like Siakam, like you could see him doing the math and like figuring out the puzzle pieces and how everything was fitting together and just like letting the game come to him, which was kind of like the main critique of, of him in the first, especially the first two seasons, less so now. So just, just pure joy. <laughs> yeah. You really saw sort of the multitudes of his game in that sort of first half, second half juxtaposition, right? Because like, yeah, the first half, he wasn't really sort of asserting himself on the game. That was a lot of Kyle Lowry who continues to be incredible. And he was uh, like, continually just torching Pistons guards off the bounce and using his ass to prevent himself from getting blocked and looked great and sort of ran the show in the first half. And Stiakam, you know, ducked in for buckets here and there, but it wasn't until the third one he really took over. And in the first half, it was just sort of him probing, right? And I think we've seen this quite a bit yeah. with him so far, this year, where it's just like, all right, I don't need to find buckets right now. I, I'll get later on. I just want to see sort of what I can do playmaking wise. And, you know, it, is really really impressive. He's got those sort of big to big passes down low down. Uh, he found Serge Ibaka. One that was like a really kind of 
obvious looking assist, but wasn't super mm-hmm. obvious because of, sort of the guys who were on the floor where it seemed like he was trying to go right. And then he realized Andre Drummond was at the rim and he just like sort of dumped it back like a rugby pass to Ibaka, yeah. who just had like yeah. all the time in the world for a little floater. And like, that's the kind of stuff, you know, this game only had two turnovers. He had more turnovers than assists going into the game. I think he's even now on the season assist to turnover, which is progress. He had three fouls in this game as well. Um, I still think there's room for him on defense to improve. He had a couple steals last night, but he still, sure. as Nick Nurse remarked last night in the post-game conversation, uh, he said that he's getting a lot of help from his pal OG on that end of the floor right now, which fair, and OG's been something else we can talk about, but I just think Pascal... I- sort of seeing those different ways in which he is able to sort of assert himself and not always have to be like he's not always in attack mode right he can be in probe mode and sort of use his gravity to to pick apart the other team and it's just really nice to see him adding all these different layers to his game kevin o'connor yesterday from the ring tweeted out uh sort of a chart looking at the ways in which siakam was touching the ball this season compared to last year and it's entirely different like last year he was Leaking out, he was on cuts, he was taking advantage of soft spots of defenses, and now it's entirely like him running post-ups and him running pick and roll and bombing threes from above the break. It's a completely different shot chart, it's a completely different touch chart, and it's the results are even better than it was before. I I just, I don't really know, like, we probably underestimated how good he can be. There's an interesting conversation right now happening uh, that that basically I think started the day one of the season, which was, and it and it's coming from guys like Kevin O'Connor and like a lot of the American media who are starting to kind of like um tr- like put up this test balloon of um, Pascal Siakam uh, repeating his most improved player win, mm-hmm. which I don't think has ever happened before, like a back to back most improved player, and I can see this becoming the narrative like he's you know he's gonna he's obviously made a a huge leap already from what we've seen unless something dramatically terrible happens to him and you know we've we saw some dramatically terrible things happen last night to to key players um you know like yeah there's no question that that he's going to continue this ascent to me like it just seems like through five games like you're right this is the most complete siakam game we've seen and it just keeps getting better. Now, my question is, like, it seems like a bit of a cop-out and a bit of, like, maybe this is where I've got my, like, Toronto Raptor fan hat on, where it's like, you know, we don't get the respect and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, Siakam's usage rate is, what, like, 32.2 right now, which is yeah. more than Kawhi last season and more than DeMar, you know, uh, I think – I think he, I don't, I don't even think, maybe DeMar hit that number in, in that range like once. But yeah. like, how is, how is Siakam not in the MVP conversation at this point? And, and that's just yeah, a question. I mean, like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's a bit of a, oh, he's most improved player. No, this guy's kicking ass. Like, and he's leading this team. Like, you know, a lot has been made of like how kind of like thin the Raptors are right now. How, how is that like, like what more can 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 someone on this team do to to kind of prove themselves? And of course, that's gonna that's a, such an early thing to say, and we're looking at a very small sample size. But you know, anyways, I, I'm here for the uh, Siakam MVP push. Like, let's get it going on yeah, this podcast I mean, right now. 
<laughs> uh, patient zero uh, is me, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Let's get this <laughs> Thank you for oh, Come on, guys. <laughs> Before we continue on today, I want to tell you about my bookie. This is my favorite time of the year. It's amazing, and you know exactly why. There's sweater weather, there's leaves on the ground, and there's also threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it is ball season. Pro and college basketball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. There are so many ways for you to bet with mybookie. For instance, if you like to try to bet a little to win a lot, you can try a parlay, bet on the big favorites for the week. Parlays are perfect because it lets you bet multiple games together for a bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. The NCAA is back in action as well, and it's time to turn your attention from carving pumpkins to the Spartans carving up defenses. Cassius Winston returns for his senior year trying to prove that he has what it takes to bring a championship to Michigan State. You can use your basketball knowledge that I just passed along to you. Michigan State is good. Cassius Winston is good. Go bet on Michigan State and Cassius Winston at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in on the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to double your cash with mybookie on your first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. I I agree. Like if you're doing like five game MVPs, like obviously he's there. I, I think sure. I'm gonna hold yeah, off yeah. a little bit on like getting too far ahead of the the hype train just because look, mm. we, we in fairness, there haven't exactly been incredible defensive juggernauts coming up against the Raptors at any point so far this season. Jonathan Isaac was the first sort of real test and Siakam passed that one Good point. with uh, mostly flying colors, which was really great. But I mean, the Celtics don't have anyone who can defend him. The Pelicans were missing probably the guy who's going to end up defending guys like Siakam at some point. And the, uh, the Bulls are the Bulls and the Pistons had Christian Wood. And so I'm going to... I'm really interested okay, to see what happens. Bring, he brought me down to, <laughs> to Pleasanter. <laughs> okay, totally fair. Totally fair point. You know, yeah. but I like. I think we'll see. I, I don't think we're going to see a scenario where uh, where Siakam is going up like against what like uh, Giannis. Like I think he's he's going to be fine against all these other guys too. I guess time will tell. And you're right; it's a bit early, but you know, like let's start the rumblings at least now. Like. Wow, like, what, could it, what could we achieve, you know? <laughs> no, I'm down for rumblings. I think this next stretch of games is going to be pretty telling because he's going to come across sure. the Bucks on Saturday. Uh, I would assume Giannis is going to guard him there just because why wouldn't he? <laughs> like, that seems like not a very yeah, good use of your 100%. best defensive resource if you're not going to throw him on Siakam. So I think we'll see that. And then, you know, as we go into the road trip, they're not going to play amazing defenses over that time except for the Clippers so I would assume we're going to see Kawhi guard him unless they decide to really mess with Patrick Patterson and put him on him which would seem unfair and mean um so <laughs> I think yeah. uh I think it'll be Kawhi that probably is that challenge and hey that'll be really fun to watch I'm down for that all day that'll be yeah 
I'm sure full of gamesmanship and you know spurks back and forth, and I look forward to that uh, a week and a half out already. But I think, uh, you know, as much as I think there are tougher defensive assignments to come, I also think we saw Pascal go up against the toughest defensive assignments last year. And yes, he wasn't terribly efficient in the playoffs, but he still got his when he needed to, and he had his breakout games. And he also didn't have all these tools he's flashed so far this year in terms of running pick and roll, in terms of uh, posting up and having a thousand different counter moves and his passing out of the post that his ability to apparently knock down every mid range jumper. Now that's, that's just the thing he's doing too. And so I am the rumblings I'm cool with. I'm down to start the rumblings. I'm down to just like, you know, put that seed out there on the internet and have it grow the way the Giannis to Toronto thing apparently has. Uh, and we'll oh, see yeah. how it sort of percolates yeah. over the course of the year, but it's been really, really fun to watch these first five games and has, I think, kind of changed my perception and I think a lot of people's perceptions of what this Raptors team's capable of because I think coming into the year, people love Pascal Siakam coming into the year. Everyone's like, oh, man, he's great. He's so fun. MIP. Yeah. I don't think anyone really thought he could be much more than the second option on a great team. And maybe he's quickly sort of dispelling those rumors. And then when you factor in OG looking as good as he has, that sort of changes, I think, the complexion of the team. I still don't think, think even with Pascal playing like this and, you know, OG playing this way that they're better than the Sixers, for example, or even the Bucks, just because I think Giannis is still Giannis. But, like, it doesn't sound as crazy if this is the version of Siakam or OG you're going to get, for sure. And, you know, maybe... The, the thing I'm hoping, I think this, you know, is sort of a subplot of it all, is if Siakam looks this good and OG looks this good, Maybe the Raptors go into the deadline with an entirely different sort of mindset than we thought they would this year, where instead of, okay, let's cash in our chips and just sort of limp into the playoffs and get dispatched in the first or second round, let's actually just like go get something. Because I think it was uh, former guest of this show, Hugo Catano of uh, Golden State of Mind, who tweeted last night, the Raptors are like a guard away from being a legit contender, probably. Like if they can get sure. a legitimate guard to play next to Kyle, you move Fred to the bench to where he's probably more suited. Like that's a really, really dangerous team. Maybe there's something there. And maybe there's a sort of change in the path for the Raptors this season where instead of getting meager assets for their expiring bigs, they just sort of say, fuck it, let's go all in one more year and see, you know, if we can't sort of repeat the magic of last year, take advantage of maybe some injury luck, take advantage of a gauntlet of a Western conference where whoever emerges is probably going to be pretty battered and who, and who knows? So the, the Siakam thing so far, again, five games, it's so, it's such a small sample size, but the way in which he has, like just completely changed the way he plays and also maintained efficiency. I mean, you mentioned the rise up to 32.2 and I tweeted this last night up to 32.2 from 20.8 in usage uh, this season over last his efficiency, his true shooting percentage has dropped from 62.8 to 62.6. There has been no drop off. That's an insane stat. <laughs> it's totally insane. Well, the other thing that, that like last night, like, so like obviously Siakam is the breakout, but um you know, just the ball distribution and like, uh, like how many assists did they have? 34 assists last night. Uh, and that ball was just humming. And they're playing the beautiful game. And it's the the Raptors that everybody, you know, when, when the Raptors come into this season kind of being kind of like discounted, like a, uh, a thing I love to look at is, you know, just in terms of like the pulse is like the power rankings. And right now the Raptors are, are consistently in the like teens. 
uh, yeah. for most of the, the people that are watching them. And it's like the Raptors fans who watched the games without Kawhi last year were like, no, actually, like there's actually more to this team than than you guys are kind of seeing at this point. And I think we kind of saw that last night with the distribution. Like when you can have a good game from Serge and Norm in the same game, and yeah. when, you know, Kyle is just like he hasn't fallen off. In fact, I think Kyle's having a better start this season than he did last season. Um, where, you know, and like the season before, remember when they switched the offense and Kyle was just like, you know, it's going to take me a while to figure it out. Like Kyle seems kind of like totally bought into this new way of playing. And they're mm-hmm. just like, you know, the, the thing, like I was at the game, uh, you know, the uh, throwback night on against Orlando on Monday. And it's just like through the whole game, it's like the score is rising kind of evenly dispersed through all of the, all of the kind of players on the, you know, all, all the players on the floor are like scoring equally. And it's just like, mm-hmm. everybody's in double digits kind of at the same time. And it's like, there's just something about it right now that like, I actually am enjoying, like I enjoyed watching the Pistons game last night more than I did many of those games last night, last year where they were trying to figure it out with Kawhi. Like it was like, there was like the Kawhi thing and then the rest of the Raptors thing. And this year it's like, we don't have that kind of like distraction or anxiety of whether or not like Kawhi's going to stick around. And instead what we have in front of us is like a flawed team that is clearly synced up and full of chemistry. And like, like you can tell they're having fun a lot of the time now. And yeah. it's like, you know, obviously they're champs and obviously there's like that pressure removed, but they're playing like that pressure is removed. And I'm, I'm really like, uh, enjoying watching the kind of like the the vigor that Lowry is like approaching the season. Like who would have thought that Kyle is just, you know, he had 20 points, eight assists and five rebounds last night. Like the, he's a beef still, you know, like he's still going to come in and like settle the guys down. And like, you know, I was, you know, whenever, when he's sitting on the bench and they start to get shaky and Lowry comes on the floor and everything just stabilizes and they feel just like, fluid again and everybody's got their mojo going it's just good to watch yeah I was, <laughs> all together you know, super yeah. Good. yeah outside of noticing how great pascal was and how bad christian wood looked every time he was on the floor it just really stood okay. out it was yeah. like the sort of oh, i felt bad for him almost uh the thing i enjoyed most about last night's game is how crisp everything looked like the offense just looked so yeah. in tune like everyone was cut exactly when they were supposed to be cutting there were a couple sequences where you know just like a little head bob from Marcus Gasol and Norm Powell cuts in from the left corner and he hits him with a nice bounce pass and then boom he's got a bucket at the rim and it just felt like constantly whenever there was space being opened up by what somebody else was doing on the floor someone was seeping into that space and it just made this sort of chain of connectivity that was really you know harken back to the culture reset season which was so so fun to watch obviously hmm. This team doesn't quite have the depth that that team had, and that still is sort of a concern for me. It was really, really nice to see Norm Powell start out last night uh, with sort of like a, a different sort of... He, he seemed less burdened to try to make decisions, I think was the thing I noticed from Norm last night. He was just like, all right, I'm going to drive to the rim and try to score. He had no assists. He had 19 points. Maybe that's just the way Norm has to be. Um, and I, I thought he was really crisp. His three-point his three shot, like... It's there. It's good. And I think those transition threes are really sort of useful for him, too. And I feel like there's maybe a way to better utilize Norm. 
And it was nice to see him get 29 minutes last night. That cut into Fred Van Vliet's minute total, which I think is important. Kyle still played 38 minutes, which is a problem. But, um, you know, and hopefully we can see, you know, Patrick McCaw looked okay last night, I guess, for Patrick McCaw. He was whatever, but he was fine. Um, and I hope they start to mix in some of these extra guys to just try to limit the the burden on Lowry. But um, the way that the sort of top seven or eight guys have played together so far, it's just been a treat. And like, I'm cool watching them play a lot of minutes together because all of those minutes are very, very fun. The starting five right yeah. now has like a plus 22 net rating in 88 minutes. It's been just dynamite. And so I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about a couple things going into the road trip coming up, but for the most part, I'm just uh, really digging this four and one start, man. It's been really, really a treat to watch. Did you have any other sort of lingering observations or thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, yeah, I, tomatoes from last night's game? Well, I think I've got one big one and, and it's kind of like the, I think you pointed it out, like, um, Lowry's minutes, just like at his age, like he's playing well. And I, and I can't, I, I'm trying to understand the coaching decision to like keep all those guys in on, in the fourth when they were like clearly the game at one point was one. Like they were up like what, 20 points at one point, like mid, you know, halfway through the fourth or whatever. I can't, I can't remember the exact time, but they were, they were, they were up and well up and, and yet the, you know, the top eight guys are like, just, you know, like there were, why is there still a reluctance when, uh, when they're, when they're rolling to put in any other guys, you know? Yeah. Like, I know that there's like a trust issue there. Like it, 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 it was clear in the preseason with nurse kind of calling out like Stanley Johnson and Randy Hollis Jefferson, like these guys need to step up a little bit more and they really haven't seen much play. And I think that like, is it because we're just gelling in this eight man roster and we're going to, you know, as much as we can on these kind of low stakes games, give, give everybody runs so they can, you know, kind of like solidify that chemistry, you know, but is that coming at the expense of, you know, giving guys like Stanley Johnson a bit of confidence to like in a game like that, that's clearly one where the pressure is off to maybe go in and like have a good showing and like start to like get the, Get some of that stuff that, you know, we've struggled watching Norm for the last bit where he's just been yeah. very uneven, right? And and inconsistent, even in the first five games. Like, Norm is probably the hardest guy to watch of the, the, of the kind of key role players because he's so inconsistent. So where, you know, but then he has a game like last night where it's low stakes and he's, you know, dro- dropping shots. You want, you want that going into that game on, on Saturday versus the Bucks. You want a pumped up, you know, team that are just feeling energized and positive and like in love with the game again, as opposed to, I, I, I guess, does that point where I'm tr- make trying, does it make sense what I'm trying to say? Like, where are these, uh, where are we giving uh, opportunities for like Boucher to get a little more run, you know, just to kind yeah. of like, you know, just in case, you know, cause I would hate to see something happen to one of these guys playing too many minutes. And then all of a sudden we're left with guys that haven't are cold because they haven't played all season. You know, yeah. Just, no, I'm just with a you. minor concern troll. <laughs> you know? No, I, it's I'm looking good so far, but this is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat, led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I think, yeah, uh, yeah it was a bit of like a, a bummer not to see Stanley Johnson get a revenge game opportunity last night against the Pistons. Yeah. Uh, after it ruined him. Uh, <laughs> and like, <laughs> I... I I do agree. I think the and look, I'm still in the benefit of the doubt phase with Nick Nurse. I feel like he probably knows what he's doing here. I probably has a bit of a plan for what's going on, Uh, and I think he knows very clearly. And I'm sure Alex McKechnie is in his ear, you know, one very large bag in hand, saying, "Dude, you can't, you can't be doing this all the time." And I'm sure Nurse says, "I know. Don't worry." Um, I still think maybe there's something to the idea that they're using this little run here before they go on the road as a bit of like an extended preseason even because Kyle only played one preseason game Gasol barely played. They had the Japan trip. It was like weird. And uh, they only actually played like two normal preseason games. And one of them, they didn't play anybody. So I think maybe this is still sort of a ramping up period for a lot of these guys that nurse is using. And then you go on the road and your travel gets more tiresome. And then you sort of mix it around with different guys, but it'd be nice to get those guys a little run ahead of time. And so Exactly. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's like I'm not sure a game against the Bucks is going to be a great testing ground for Rondé and Stanley Johnson to get their first real run with the team. So I'm wondering when exactly that's going to occur. Maybe next week against the Kings. I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> and so yeah, like I, I I still am not panicking about the minutes thing. I don't think Nurse is an idiot. I think all the data suggests yeah. that getting Lowry's minutes down to around 32, 33 is what's best for him. And I think nurse knows that. And so I will withhold judgment on that for now until it gets to mid December and Kyle's averaging 39 minutes and is getting hit 17 times a night. And then I'll be concerned. But for now, I think I'm going to just wait it out. And maybe one of these guys pops a little bit, maybe like an injury to pops up. Maybe Marcus Gasol takes a night off. And then you finally see Chris Boucher really sort of having a game where he shows out. And then, boom, he's part of the rotation. I kind of expected Matt Thomas to be more part of the rotation, considering what he did against the Bulls on Saturday, where not only did he hit a couple shots, but he was like in position on defense and forced a couple turnovers and looked at least not terrible on that end of the floor. And so I, I would be surprised if he doesn't factor in here sooner than later. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on because this is probably an unsustainable level of load being heaped upon the shoulders of Kyle and even Siakam. Like I know Siakam played just 30 minutes last night because he sufficiently stuffed that game out at the end of the third. Um, <laughs> but him yeah. not playing four minutes, I think was also going to be important because, you know, the more sure. he's getting worn down with the offensive burden, the more his defense is probably going to lag. And obviously injury risk is still a thing. Even with a guy who seems like the energizer bunny, uh, you don't want to sort of risk it too much if you can avoid it. So I think we'll probably really see like a change. The- like the Bucks approach to load management for Giannis, which is to like blow teams out and let Giannis sit in the fourth. Like I'd yeah. love us to get to that point with Siakam, <laughs> you know, like, like last night, you know, like that, that, that's the kind of thing that I like. And I guess like the other part of it is like Lowry did come into the, to the preseason, you know, cold and was like, my conditioning is not up. So if we're just giving him extra run to get his conditioning up, then, you know, all right. 
So we'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, overall, you know, things could not be better right now. So it's looking good. <laughs> It's a good basketball team. Uh, a good team. Extremely, yeah. <laughs> extremely well located is the way I would describe it. Just uh, moving smoothly. Uh, Paul, we should probably take a quick second before we wrap up here for to talk about your podcast. So you've started a podcast called Welcome Toronto. Uh, please tell the listeners about it and where they can find it and sort of where the genesis of the idea came from. Well, you know, as a, as a man, uh, you know, in my 40s, with a beard. Uh, I guess it was like a, my constitutional right is to have a podcast just like everyone else. I've actually, I've actually podcasted before. I'm like, I run a, a record label called Pleasance Records and put a lot of like Toronto music and uh, underground bands and uh, just good stuff, stuff we like. We've kind of slowed down this year a bit, but um, we were doing a Pleasance podcast. So it was like all the music industry stuff and um, you know, I, I grew up with basketball. Like, uh, it was, I was the, the weird kid in when I grew up in Winnipeg who, uh, collected basketball, like NBA hoops instead of hockey cards. Huh. And, but I've also lived a life where like, you know, I've been like a professor, uh, a sociology professor and a touring musician. And like, I just like basketball's kind of maintained this kind of low lying pulse. And then when I moved to Toronto, uh, 2012, I went to uh, the first the first game with Lowry as a Raptor, and just became just like oh, cool. super obsessed. And uh, that was kind of like I'm I'm not one of these people that that can kind of go back with the Raptors to like the 90. I didn't live here, and you know I actually followed other teams <laughs> for the most part. And like a lot of people, I think you're following like star players as opposed to you know, uh, like dedication to a team. And what I learned in 2012 when I started watching that run with Casey and Dwayne and Dwayne Casey and Tamar and, and Kyle Lowry, like all the, that, that kind of run just was like, um, like my first exposure to like, like following a team this closely in any sport. Yeah. And, and then I think at a certain point, and I think this is like a lot of like probably yourself and a lot of other people that do, this stuff kind of as like a hobby uh, is that you end up acquiring so much knowledge and uh, respect and understanding of the game that, you know, I can't just go to work and talk to my coworkers about this stuff. So if you don't have an outlet for it, it's like, um, it starts to feel like um, a time waste. And I'd have no, I don't think John uh, Graber, who I do the podcast with, he's been a season ticket holder um for the last uh seven years and i go to games with him all the time he's the guy that um you know like i I think i mentioned from the last time we chatted was uh his wife had a baby uh the day of basically like right when the season last year was starting so i got the opportunity to kind of like sit in her normal seat and then we just end up just all talking about basketball all the time and i think john has such a great understanding of the game just from being there uh, so much and just like watching them the way he does that it's a nice, I think um, just outlet for both of us just to be able to like, you know, like share the passion. And, and I, I think a lot of like um, Raptors podcasts out there are good. And I'm like, I feel like it's not necessarily um, that I, I, I think we need a, to do this podcast because everything on the Toronto Raptors podcast team sucks. It's quite the opposite. It's like, you know, you and like Will Lou and uh, 
you know, the rap, all, all the like Raptors HQ guys, like, everybody that's doing this stuff right now, I think is like doing it at such a great level that I don't think we're adding anything other than a different kind of perspective. Like I would like to say our perspective is a more like fan perspective. Like yeah. not like, not like, like, like a, like a, a dumb fan, but I don't know if, if that makes sense. Like we're not looking at it from like sports writers or we're not trying to make a career out of it. We're just like, people who are just like obsessed. And then we talk about weird stuff like the merch and the like in-game entertainment and like the halftime show, <laughs> like those little things that like we end up just like are part of the experience for us. And like John and I will also travel to go see games. Uh, so it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, like just an outlet. So, yeah. So I probably much like what you're, what, why you started in the first place as well. Yeah, no, I, I sort of jive with a lot of that stuff, man. It's uh, it's uh, nothing pains me more. And Thanksgiving just happened, so I, I'm very sort of fresh in my mind. Is like talking about basketball with normies and family. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, and it's nice yeah, exactly. To be able to have this outlet where I can be like the crazy obsessed self who only ever thinks about this one thing who's terribly unbalanced, but also the people who listen are also terribly unbalanced. And it's great. It's a lovely little community that we found and uh, very cool yeah. and happy that there's another podcast in the market now to uh, add to that community. And people should definitely check it out. It's Welcome Toronto. All the different uh, podcast platforms, is it available at? All of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Welcome Toronto. Cool. We're doing it on a weekly basis. It's coming out like most Tuesday mornings um yeah and it's just like i don't know we're trying to like keep it pretty tight and it's a lot of things like you know uh talking about like uh, i do like a the like power ranking rank roundups and uh you know stuff from like the Re the raptors reddit and things like that it's just like weird ephemera that i'm that i'm into as part of it i i work in advertising so i i am obsessed with the um, you know, after you're 80 games into the season and you've seen the same keg ad 7,000 times <laughs> and you can memorize it, it's like, that's a part of the experience, right? Like the, the thing that's like, you know, the years that where LeBron was like taking us out in every postseason run and Sprite's running the LeBron uh, Sprite ad, like incessantly going like some brand manager was like, you know, the good idea is like, these guys love basketball. So you know who they love is, is LeBron James. Let's show them a LeBron James commercial every, every <laughs> four seconds. Like some idiot is, is making this decision. And then you get, you know, those weird things. I don't know if you do this where it's like, you know, that, that commercial I'm thinking of specifically where it comes on and you can kind of like, you can, you can memorize the cadence of who says what line when, and it's just like, Oh, what the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> you know? obsession so but thanks for the welcome man I, I i appreciate this this has been you know and, and i i didn't i haven't been able to say this to you uh yet but congrats on the book and everything else like all this is this community in toronto around the raptors is so amazing and um i'm i feel privileged to be even a little bit a part of it well thank you man and very happy to uh to have you in and we'll definitely get you on uh, the podcast as the season goes along as well. Uh, people, make sure you check out Welcome Toronto. Make sure you tune in for the episode that I'm showing where you guys talk about the Kyle Lowry talking basketball ads that ran for a whole year. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it's... I'm uh, all about that stuff, man. <laughs>
quarter quarter mats on Twitter? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so yeah. find Paul, find the podcast. Welcome to Toronto, uh, all the different podcast platforms. And uh, that will be that for today's show. Paul, thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, everyone, thanks, thanks so John. much for tuning in. We, uh, we'll be back again on Friday. Actually, later on today, I'm going to do a repost of our Duncanstein episode, myself and Katie Heindel, in honor of Halloween. Uh, that'll be ad-free. I'll put that up later on today. If you have not yet heard it and want it conveniently in your feed, get ready because it's going to come this afternoon. And uh, that's, I think, going to be all for today. Please subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Back again on Friday. Look ahead to the Bucks game on Saturday. And then we will close out the week with that. And we will talk to you next another episode of Locked on Raptors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.